We welcome in now the Warriors assistant general manager, Bob Myers. Bob, what's new, my man? Well, Eric, I think it's what everybody's talking about. That's the latest. Um, and uh, I was there. Uh, I think I heard you on the way home from the game. Were you on after the game? I was on after the game. And yeah. you, I, I, it's funny because you might have been able to hear me on the way home, even if you did not have your radio on. <laughs> You know what? I I listened and then I just needed to get away from it. I listened for a little while and I just it was obviously um in a lot of ways a difficult night and um I just needed to get my mind away from uh for a little bit, but I I I listened to a lot of what you said and I thought you did a good job. I thought you were fair. Um so, you know, I I know it's been a hot topic. I know Joe was on today with Gary and Larry. I think he did Chronicle Live, so Kudos to Joe for not running from it, I would say. Um, a lot of people in a similar situation would, would not have gone back out in the second half and sat on the court um, or gone uh, and done rounds with some media today. But that's what I like about him. He, you know, he, he was, Anybody that's in front of a big group of people getting booed, I don't care who you are and how thick your skin is, that's not an easy thing. It hasn't happened to me. Uh, I don't know if it's happened to you. Um, but it can't be easy just as a human being. It's, it's got to be difficult. Yeah, it's, 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 so. no, it's, it's hard enough to get up there and, and speak publicly with introducing Chris Mullen. And really, I love the fact that he was up there. A lot of people, Bob, question what was Joe Lacob even doing presenting Chris Mullen. Well, uh, what he's doing is he's taking the past and he's introducing the present and the future and he's trying to link all three of them together. This is the Golden State Warriors organization. This is the proud organization with a proud fan base. I think it's important that you embrace the past and that's why Joe Lacob was there. Unfortunately, the fans just, I mean, they just, they just ran with it. And I don't know how much of it, Bob, was... Well, you know, a few guys started booing, and then all, it's all of a sudden you could hear someone say something about Monte, and it just it just snowballed out of control. Where were you when all this went down, and what was your perspective? I usually sit up in the in the box during the games, uh, Eric, and because I love Chris Mullen and I know him a little bit, um, I wanted to go down as close as I could, so I was in the back, like, the fourth or fifth row just to watch it um, as a fan and um, for all the things he did. I grew up watching Chris Mullen. I'm sure you did. So I went not as an employee of the Warriors, but just as a guy respectful of Chris Mullen as a person, as a player. And I was enjoying the, I was enjoying the uh, event. I thought, I thought our people, uh, the group that put it together did a nice job. I thought it was a great turnout from his teammates. Um, so I was enjoying it. Uh, and, uh, and then Joe got up to speak, and I think what you just mentioned was correct. I think the intent from Joe's perspective and our organization was he was trying to recognize um, a great former Warriors player and embrace him and congratulate him and applaud him. And, um, you know, I'll say this. I love our fans. I absolutely love our fans. I, I do believe they're the best fans in sports. And, and I also believe that they're the most passionate fans in sports. So I don't begrudge our fans for voicing their opinion. That's what I love about them. You go to a lot of arenas. And they don't say anything. They don't do anything. And apathy, to me, is the worst kind of fans you can have. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that where I was sitting, um, there wasn't a ton of people booing where I was sitting, if you want my account of it. I had a couple people turn to me, and maybe because I was in a suit and tie, and say, this isn't right. Um, 
and and there probably was some people around me, but the majority of people around me were not. That doesn't mean that I was maybe I was just in a certain section that people weren't. It was one of those situations where when you're there in it, I, and I have no idea of measuring the audio and how loud it was, but it was certainly enough to to make some people uncomfortable, and uh, certainly it was enough to kind of uh, knock Joe back a step. I mean, that was I think surprising to him. Um, but it was um, on a personal level. I, I like our owner, and I'm not saying that as an employee of his. I do like him as a person. I think he, he's treated me well. He's treated. Um, all the employees well. We didn't lay anybody off uh, during the lockout. And um, I think everybody that's come in contact with him as he comes through the office from our president to ticket sales has, would say something good about him as a man. So it was hard for me to watch. But uh, to, to take another side of it, Eric, the fans, are, fans pay money to watch good basketball. And, and I feel like if they're going to boo, they have a reason to boo right now. We're not putting out a great product. Um, the first half was something to forget. I may have fed into it. Uh, we couldn't make a shot. And, um, you know, losing Montellus, my take on that is I don't mind the fans being upset about that. That's what I love about our fans. They get behind their players. And Montellus gave the Warriors fans a lot to cheer about, put his heart and soul out there. So to see him, one, in another team's uniform so so soon after the trade, which was which was Friday, and then also to see the team struggling and not to see – anything back from the trade. I think all those factors um, led to some fans being pretty upset, which is certainly their right to be. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Warriors Assistant General Manager Bob Myers. Bob, the rebounds per game, the differential right now, you guys are minus 5.63, ranked 29th out of the 30 teams. I mean, Really, you guys addressed a major concern. The Warrior fans are not going to see the immediate benefit, but Andrew Bogut is one of the best rebounders in all the NBA. Talk about the trade. And uh, immediately when it went down, I wanted to reserve judgment because I'm a Golden State Warrior fan. I'm really kind of part of the masses, and I I would – Wanted to be critical, but I wanted to also get the opinions and feelings of other knowledgeable NBA people, people who know more than I do. Tom Tolbert, Rick Buecher, Mark Spears. I wanted to hear what they had to say about the trade. And each and every one of the experts, Bob, they loved it. Yeah. You know, we liked it, obviously, or we wouldn't have done it, Eric. And, um, you know, I, you play baseball, it's, 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 and I think you're smart to reserve judgment. If I, I didn't play baseball, I'm not around baseball. If there was a baseball trade that the Giants or A's did, I, I might come across you and say, what do you think? Because you lived in that world. You know what the deficiencies of teams are. And, and, and you don't have to even look at what a rebounding rate is and know that it's 29. You just have to watch one game and see how we've struggled. Um, not just this year, but going back to, to be a good defensive team. Um, so when we made the trade, and I said this um, recently to somebody else, anytime you make a trade, and I don't know if you were ever traded as a player, mm-hmm. it is, it, it, I can tell you it's not done lightly, uh, especially for a guy like Montel. You, you agonize over these decisions. You, you talk about the pros and cons. You talk about what you're giving up, what you're getting. You talk about how much each player makes. You talk about how old they are. You talk about their uh, history of injury. You talk about your chances of replacing the player. So there's a ton of work that goes into it. It's not pushing a button saying, let's trade Ellis for Bogut, boom, done. We spend five minutes on it. Um, and, and, and a lot of times you walk right up to it and don't take the step to do it. So you pour over it, and you know 
when you do anything, there's a risk that it doesn't work, and the jury's out. And I'll tell you, on this specific trade, we knew you're not going to get immediate satisfaction. And I think the reason the Bucks on their end did it was they wanted immediate satisfaction. And the way we viewed it was we don't want to just be an eight seed in the playoffs. We don't want to just be a 500 team. We felt like this gave us the chance to be more than that. Now, uh, everybody has an opinion on that and has a right to agree or disagree, but that's what we felt. And time will bear out whether we were right or wrong, and we'll be judged on it whether we're right or wrong, and that's okay. And you know how we're judged is by how many games we win and how many we lose. And right now, if you're judging the trade on the last five, four games, it doesn't look so good. Uh, but we went into it knowing full well that was a possibility because we, we want to win the championship. And, and a lot of people that hear me say that, um, it's probably a new concept. But if, if you're not in it to win a championship, and I'm not promising it happens soon or at all, but that's our goal. You played sport. I mean, that's the goal is to win. Not just make the playoffs, it's to win. And we felt like this gave us a chance to get a position that we haven't had in a long, long time. Talking to Warriors. Uh, we to... Go ahead. We're talking to Warriors assistant general manager Bob Myers. Bob, uh, Stephen Jackson in the, in that deal, did you guys have intentions of actually bringing him back to Golden State? I was surprised how much he returned as far as a first-round draft pick and Richard Jefferson, who I feel still has some good basketball left in him. Well, we felt like when we had Steven Jackson, the trade was to get Andrew Bogut. That was the trade. Uh, that's what we wanted. That's what we coveted was size, was a center. Steven Jackson was a part of the trade that we um, took on, uh, and mostly Milwaukee wanted us to take on for financial reasons. So we felt like, let's see, now that we have Andrew Bogut, let's see what the value of Steven Jackson is out there. And Steven Jackson fits a certain timeline. And, and as you know, you probably covered him when you were here in the Bay Area or certainly watched him. Mm-hmm. He, um, you know, he has a certain skill set. He's at a certain point in his career where he can add value. But we felt like the trajectory we were on, he didn't fit as much. And also, if we can get a first-round pick for Steven Jackson and take a player like Richard Jefferson, to us it was uh, a deal that we thought made a lot of sense and got us in the draft in what is a very good draft. Um, but again, the thing that's great about sports is people have an opinion. The thing that's great about the Warriors fans is they have passion. Uh, the thing that's great about the Bay Area is people care. So I love that, you know, I'm walking down the street. I was playing pickup basketball the other day, and a guy said, he didn't know who I was, um, and he said, man, the Warriors, why did they trade Monty Ellis? And I didn't tell him who I was or anything like that, and I said, you know what, we'll see what happens. I said, mm. I said if Bogut's healthy, it's a good trade. And that's what I would tell anybody. When I was sitting next to a guy on a plane, I'd say the same thing. Not that, hey, I'm the assistant GM, you know, you don't know who you're talking to. It's, it's, I love that people have opinions. I love that you have an opinion. So that's what makes it fun. Uh, if nobody cared and people didn't, didn't, didn't have a passion for it, it wouldn't be any fun to me. What's the outlook for Andrew Bogut? When do you expect him to return to basketball activity? Um, the outlook for him varies. He... If we were in a playoff push, I would tell you he could be back by mid-April. Um, it's all going to be contingent on he's got another bone scan. At the point in time that we have to make that decision, we're going to look at what the risks are to bringing him back. We're going to look at what the pros and cons are. Clearly, if he's healthy and out of danger and the doctor says 
He can't hurt himself anymore. He's healthy. He's cleared. We'd love to give the fans a glimpse of him. We'd love to see him. But if there's any risk of him endangering himself or setting his uh, timeline back, we're not going to do it. And that's just a smart thing to do. Um, it, 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 and I'd love to see him out there myself. I'm sure the fans would like to see a glimpse of him, but not, not at the risk of re-injuring himself. So I would tell you, short answer, could be mid-April, could be late April, possibly early April, but I, I think we're going to be very cautious with it. There's been word about him potentially playing in the Olympics for Australia. There's no way you guys could be happy about that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, that's a delicate issue that each NBA team faces uh, because as an organization you pay a player a lot of money, um, but you also understand that playing for your country as a player is, a, is, a, is a, one of the highest honors an athlete can, um, can, can enjoy. So we will give our opinion, and a lot of it will be based on what the doctors say, but if he's 100% cleared and he's passionate about it and wants to do it, I think he's played in a couple already, so it's not like this is his first crack at it. And we'll sit with him and we'll talk to America and we'll say, hey, how do you, what do the doctors say? What do you think? We'll give him our opinion. Our, our bottom line goal is that he comes back healthy next year and plays 82 games in the playoffs. That's, that's what we want to have happen. Um, but we'll listen to see and we'll, we'll let that process play itself out. Joe Lake of today on with Gary and Larry mentioned something about the potential of you guys keeping that first round draft pick regardless of where you pick right now for the listeners, the way it's set up is if you guys pick within the first seven, that will remain your pick. Yet if you pick outside of the first seven, your pick would go to Utah. What prompted him to bring that up? Well, I think what prompted him to bring that up, uh, Eric, was that we pushed it back. Utah was actually owed it this year. And so we pushed it back. So we took Clay Thompson and we, we, we delayed the rights to our pick going to Utah for a year. So, as you enter each draft, you can engage in a negotiation. If somebody else owns your pick, and there's no, I'm not saying that we'll get it, I'm not saying we won't get it, but you can certainly pick up the phone and say, hey, what would you do to give us our pick back? Um, would you lower the protection on it next year? Would you take a player? Would you take a future another pick? So you always entertain that and, and analyze that. But ultimately, I'll tell you, if our pick's outside of the top seven, they own it. And... It's not going to be, here you go, take your pick back. If we're able to get a pick back, um, they're going to have to agree to it. And it's going to have to make sense for them. But would we like a pick in this draft? Absolutely. Um, doesn't mean we're going to get it. It uh, doesn't mean we're, we're going to get it, but we can certainly try. Mm-hmm. You talked about this draft being deep, and I, I've heard that from several of the experts. Uh, who are the guys in the draft and and that you guys might – be targeting. I'm sure you're probably not supposed to comment specifically on on each player, but I, I have a question about uh, Steph Curry and his ankle. I, it's got to be a concern. Is there a possibility that you guys might go after a point guard? Well, I would say this: uh, we need to get Steph Curry healthy. It's a, it's a question probably that we get asked more than any other one, even more than the trade. Is how's Steph doing? What are you guys doing for his ankle? So we've taken the cautious approach with him in saying, let's find out what really is happening. And, and as, as you know, um, sometimes injuries are tricky. Uh, sometimes you can't get to the bottom of something when on the first diagnosis. Sometimes it's the fifth MRI or it's another outside opinion. We trust our doctors. Steph, I think, has been very diligent in his rehab, but 
we're hoping to get to the bottom of it very soon and have a timeline as to what the plan is, whether it's put them in a boot, whether it's get them back right away. It's going to come down to our doctors huddling, and we hope to do that in the very near future. But like Grant Hill, as you recall, and I'm not comparing Steph Curry to Grant Hill, but there was a time where everybody couldn't figure out what was going on in his ankles. What's the deal with Grant Hill's ankle? Well, he fixed it, and he's played about eight injury-free years. He's about 38 years old. I think he's older than us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he figured it out. But as you know, sometimes injuries are harder to figure out, and, and Steph Curry's got one that we have to figure out. It's up to us and our staff to get it right. I think we will, and it's been frustrating. Clearly, it's been frustrating for him more than anybody, but we'll get it right. Um, and we hope to find out exactly uh, what it is and get to the bottom of it soon. And then on the draft, I can't, you're right, I can't talk about specific players, but I will tell you this, earlier in the segment you said we're 29th in rebounding. Well, if you can't rebound the NBA, you can't win. So last year there was a guy in the draft who led the country in rebounding, Kenneth Fareed, who was, was, was fantastic and is fantastic for the Nuggets this year. So we need to improve our rebounding. So we're going to hopefully find a player that, can be a great rebounder um, because we love Andrew Bogut at the five. We love David Lee at the four. But we want to replace, uh, in some instance, Epe Udo, who was a great big, the rebound and block shots. Looking for a guy like that in the draft. Would there be any thoughts of potentially moving Steph Curry to the two to alleviate a little bit of the pressure off his ankles there? It seems like it's not nearly as a of, of demanding uh, as a position. Clay Thompson potentially going to the three. And then uh, you bring in the point guard, and then you have, obviously, David Lee at the four and Andrew Bogut at five. Well, you know, you can debate that. I would tell you I like Steph Curry a lot more at point guard than two guard um, because he's one of his best assets is his ability to pass the ball. I don't think the fans uh, have seen a healthy Steph Curry this year. I think he tweaked it in Sacramento in the preseason, and if you were to see him early on in training camp, which nobody really got to see, he was moving at a different pace. He was setting up his teammates. He was attacking the, the basket. Um, and then once he tweaked it the first time, as you know, when you have a little minor injury, it does affect, does affect your, your mentality. It does affect what you want to do on the, on the court or on the field, and you, you start thinking about it. So I'd like to see a healthy Steph Curry play point guard and see how that goes and let Clay Thompson play too. And uh, We have a plethora of threes right now, and then you've got – you know, David and uh, Andrew at 4-5, see what Steph Curry can do when he's healthy at the point with Clay Thompson next to him. We've never seen that. Let's see what that is uh, and then go from there. I mean, I, I think that's what we hope to see. Mm-hmm. Warriors Assistant General Manager Bob Myers on SportsPhone 680 with me. Bob, uh, you're a national champion. A lot of people don't know that about you. 1995 UCLA Bruins March Madness right in the middle of everything right now. Is there a team that you're pulling for? Is a team? Is there a team that you really like? Obviously, it's not a West Coast team because each and every one of them have been eliminated. Oh, you know, as a Bruin, I uh, I wish I could cheer for our team. Um, but uh, you know, I just like watching good basketball. I, I, I hope North Carolina stays healthy. Uh, it's too bad about they've had Henson uh, was you know he had an injury and the point guard got hurt. So I hope they um, stay healthy. You always hate to see teams suffer injuries in the tournament because you work so hard the whole year. We actually had that happen to us in the national championship game 
our point guard couldn't play. So it's hard. In, college, in the NCAA tournament, it's one game. So I believe the best team doesn't always win. In the NBA, in, in baseball, maybe not so in football, but in, in a seven-game series, especially in basketball, I would tell you the best team usually wins. Mm-hmm. And in the NCAA tournament, why people love it, why I love it, is every game matters. It's You lose, you go home. And so... I, I honestly, I like to. I love upsets, and that's why a lot of people watch. But I like to see the best teams win, because I think those are the best coach teams. Those are the best players. I love a great finals. I think that probably the Kentucky to me is probably the most talented team, and then behind them, I'd say North Carolina is healthy. I'd love. I don't even know if they've lined up if they face each other in the final four or in the finals, but just a high, high quality game. A lot of people might disagree, and, and they love seeing Butler and VCU and some of the Cinderellas in the Final Four, but I love to see the best going against the best, so I just hope it's a, a good game. And, and, and the fact that the Bruins aren't in it, I, I don't really have a favorite um, that I'm following. Kentucky could play North Carolina in the finals. Bob, why is West Coast basketball so down right now? I don't know. You know, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I read an article, I don't know if it was in the Chronicle or the Contra Costa Times the other day. Somebody focused on that. I think it was John Wilner that wrote an article on it. And um, it's a good question because I went to a camp uh, a couple years ago with the top young players in the country just to watch high school players. There was only one kid from California, which shocks me because... And when, when, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was a ton of kids coming out of the West Coast. And I, I don't, I, I have no answer for that. I really don't understand why there's the talent is diminished. Um, I don't, what do you think? I, I honestly, I have no idea. I don't get that one. I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of these mid major schools are, are making names for themselves. I think it's easier for kids to travel from the West. To the east, uh, especially with all the new TV packages going on, it's 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 not that big of a deal anymore. It used to be uh, everyone from the east wanted to come west, and right. now you know it's Kansas for years has been ripping off a lot of the California players. But I I mean to see West Coast basketball at the point that it is now with not one team in the Sweet Six. See, I don't care if there's players that have left early for the NBA or whatever. It's it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It just might be a downtime. Yeah, you know, you went to. Uh, I mean, look. When I stepped foot on UCLA's campus, it was it, it, to me. It was how can you not go to school here? Oh yeah, um, yeah. No Bruins. <laughs> but I, hey, I mean, and I went to Kansas, and we got blown out at Kansas one year. And I was thinking, how could a kid from California come to Lawrence, Kansas? But but I'll tell you why. And I've been to Kentucky. You go into those basketball programs, and it's a pro-type experience. I mean, you're the only show in town. The facilities are outstanding. In the community, you're treated like uh, like a professional athlete. I mean, you're lauded, you're applauded. I mean, it's, you're the only show in town, and that's that matters. I mean, athletes, young kids. Um, you, know, you go to a Kentucky game, you go to a Kansas game, and I don't know if you've ever been to those arenas, uh, Duke. It's a it's a big time experience, mm-hmm. big time. Um, because Lawrence, Kansas population is not competing with five other professional sports. Um, it's it. And if you want entertainment in basketball, you're going to watch the Jayhawks play. So I think that appeals to a lot of kids. I don't blame them. Um, but again, I think it's, it, I didn't think it would shift this far. 
where kids are, from the West Coast are leaving um, in, in droves, it seems like. It's, it's really too bad. Bob Myers, Warriors assistant, general manager, 1995 national champion with the UCLA Bruins. Bob, I appreciate your honest perspective, as always, and I'm sure uh, Warrior fans appreciate that as well. Thanks, Eric. Let me know when you want to come to a come to a game. You, you only come once in a while, so let me know. Yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking for that 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 red carpet to get roll, hey, rolled hey, out. I know. We, we, hey, we play the Lakers. I know you're kind of like a big ticket guy. We play them on Tuesday. That's your game. Hey, That's I've I've, game. I've been there for the Heat. I've been there for the Magic. So you know I'm going to be there for the Lakers. You're like yeah, for sure. I'll see you on Tuesday. All right, Bob. Thanks a lot, man. Right, Good Eric. luck with everything. Thanks a lot. There he All is. Right. Bob.